Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. Heavenly Father, I come before you asking that you strengthen Minister John, who I'm substitute teaching for on today. I ask that you raise him up in the time that you have appointed for him when he has recovered to do your will, to do your works as before, and even surpass what you have used him to do um, previously. I'm believing you for it. Right now, I thank you for an opportunity to pray because this is the time when the lines of communication are wide open between heaven and earth where you can make your voice heard, you can make your vision seen, and you can cause me and anyone who hears this message to understand what you're saying to us. With you, there isn't anything that is uh, difficult. It's all too easy for you. To us, it may seem um, uh, ridiculous that we could even hear or see anything uh, from you. But the, the truth is you are able to do it because you are God. Um, and it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be uh, rational or even logical. What matters is that we're able to receive from you and we're able to perceive what you show and what you say. My request is that you prepare our hearts and minds, our bodies, our spirits, our souls, everything to do with us, our circumstances, our families, our uh, business circles, any circles that we're involved in, um, our influence, any platforms. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's something to do with us, I ask that you would uh, prepare us to receive you, uh, that you would just get us ready um, for this next phase of blessings that you're showering down from heaven on earth, on us, and into these situations, into every issue. Sometimes it doesn't appear to us uh, that you are working, that you're doing anything about it because of the challenges that uh, we face or because of certain things that we went through in the past that were so traumatic, so difficult, that um, we just don't see sometimes how you could help us right now or even up the road. But the past is the past. And right now is right now. Today is today. As you have told us, the day that you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Remain open-minded. Have an open heart, an openness. Believe one more time. Have faith one more time. Open up one more time. Cry out to God one more time. And who knows, this one more time may be the set time when God shows you as he has shown so many of his servants in the Bible accounts of his mighty power 
not just of his power, but of his existence. And they had a one-on-one encounter with the creator who took on the form of the son of man or the form of the angel of the Lord. So as we've heard, God is a triune being. We've heard about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. And um, we've also heard it said that our God is one. So I'm a person, you're a person, you have a body, you have a mind and a spirit. And if I called my body Jesus, I called my spirit God, and I called my mind um, whatever I would call it, the point is I still have those three major components of what makes me unique, what makes me me. So likewise, God as the creator is also known as God the Father. And when he took on the form of man and the Holy Spirit overshadows Mary, the virgin, and we know that that is referred to as the immaculate conception, it was prophesied that she give birth to the Messiah, the one who would save his people from their sins. And she did that. And when he was born, just as the angel told her, she named him Jesus. But it was God in the flesh, the only begotten son of God, according to the third chapter of John. So the thing is, when God chose to visit us in a manner that we could see him, hear him and feel him, we could experience him. He came down to earth in human form, not just in spirit form. He decided to put on human flesh and have a human experience so that he could relate to humankind or mankind. Well, I thank you, God, that you did that because it means you can absolutely relate to us. If you had only remained in spirit form, we could have an argument and say, well, and it would be valid. You don't understand us. But the fact of the matter is we have no such argument because you did what it took to understand what it means to be in a world with so many issues, with life and death, babies being born, that baby growing up, living a life, whether it's short or long, and then dying, and then grief, sorrow, mourning the loss of a loved one. You understood what it meant to be hungry, tired, sleepy, tempted, You endured everything that we would and you overcame it all being God, being perfect. So you understand the temptations. You understand the pain, the agony, the suffering, because not only did you endure it all, but you took on our flesh and the sins affiliated with the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You took it on. You who knew no sin became sin for us to atone for every sin and mistake we would ever make past, present, and future. Tense, you did it all. 
and I thank you for it. So there isn't anything that you're not acquainted with. You are acquainted with grief, according to Isaiah. You, you said, I understand your sorrow and the chastisement of your peace was upon me, says God. And with my stripes, you're healed. So you did what it took for us to have peace, healing, wholeness, to reconcile us unto God. Those of us who just felt like God didn't exist, felt like it was fictitious, mythological, whatever the case, imaginary. So there is this great divide concerning the relationship between God and man. And I thank you for closing the gap. I thank you for being that bridge over troubled waters, over doubt, over unbelief, over whatever it is that stood in the way of us even being able to believe that first of all, God does exist, you exist, and that you reward those of us who diligently seek you. So thank you for at least uh, being able to relate to us, no matter what our level of understanding is or isn't, whether we have what is known as some type of a birth defect, a handicap, mental illness, or just unbelief, whether we be atheists or whether we uh, believe in a different faith, whether we are, you know, a person who practices different religions, it doesn't even matter, or one religion. Because as you know, God, anything that we do religiously is a form of religion. But the relationship that you have for us to experience with you today and every day ahead, God willing, we are here long enough to experience it, transcends time, faith, religion, belief, unbelief, doubt. It transcends emotions, logic, and anything else that exists. Any, any way that we think, any mindset, any habit, any training, any illness, any sickness, any, um, anything at all, and anyone at all. So I ask that you have it your way and use me to your glory. Let someone discover what you have for them, even if it is finding themselves, as we say. I need to go out and live so I can find myself. Sometimes we hear that said. But the ways that we go about it, they may seem right, but boy, the outcomes can be destructive. Some people, we choose to go out and live it up with drugs, sex, alcohol, diet and exercise and pills and, and um, habits, whether they're good habits or not good habits, whether they're considered moral or immoral, worldly, normal even. But the result is so destructive. Many times the result even leads to death. But there is one way that is right. It is like the one-stop shop 
It's it's not even cookie cutter, but it's perfect for anyone, no matter where we're from, no matter what age, no matter what the circumstance. And that way is referred to as Jesus. Jesus is defined as the way, the truth, the light, the life, and many other things, the Messiah, Rabbi, the teacher, so many things, the one who's with his people. It's just so many ways, so many attributes to you that were prophesied in the first covenant. You told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about who you were. You had this relationship with Moses and with Joshua and with King David. It was so many things with Elijah and Elisha, with the prophet Samuel, with so many. And then in the fullness of time when you were born through the Virgin Mary, you fulfilled all of those prophecies that were foretold in the Torah in the first covenant, now in the greater covenant, this New Testament, the second part of the Bible is what we refer to it as, but it's not just something written, it is something experienced. Oh God, it's not just a history book. It's not just here for our learning, but it's here to live by, to to have faith and hope in the face of adversity. It's to experience the miracles, signs, and wonders that the people of old did. So I thank you that you are the same God and you do not change. What you've done for one, you can do for any one of us. Whether we even believe in you or not, you are able to do it because you're God. The creator of heaven and earth, the creator of people, the one who's in control. Whether we believe that or not, you have ways of showing us that it's the truth. You can meet us uh, right where we are in doubt and unbelief and sorrow and grief and sickness and health in good times and bad times and when things seem they're going well or it's ideal and when things are not. Only the creator would be able to do that. Only God would be able to do that. And you're not an alien. You're not the God who's foreign. You didn't let yourself be. That's why you came in the form of man. So there isn't anything too hard for you. So I ask that you prove that to us to those who need proof. You did it for Isaiah. You did it for so many. And um, for those of us who don't need proof, okay. But you know what we do need. I ask that you meet every need so that you are glorified and hell is horrified. I just speak on earth as it is in heaven. I lose that for all of us, even if it just means hearing your voice, discerning it, and being able to take heed to your voice, even if it just means getting a vision, a dream from you, and being able to interpret it. <laughs>
or get the interpretation, get the understanding, and then get the instructions that we need, and then get the follow through, the correct response to it. Anything that would block or stop or mess with us to try to stop this from happening? Oh, I bind it in the name of Jesus because you told us that whatever we bind on earth, it's already bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is already loosed in and from heaven. And in your father's house, there are many mansions. If it wasn't so, you wouldn't have said it. So likewise, you wouldn't have taught the disciples when they asked you how to pray, to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if we couldn't experience on earth as it is in heaven, you wouldn't have taught the disciples to pray that way. So I thank you that it is so. That not only is it possible, but it is probable. And what was just a word becomes tangible because you make it so. And I thank you for doing it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And for your sake. Going into the lesson, I say amen and amen. There's a lot of scriptures that I will be reading today, but the title of the message is very important. It's called God Can. God Can. What can God do? My subtopic is turn back the hands of time. When I put the two together, it's a powerful statement. God can turn back the hands of time. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 20, it reads, In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says, put your house in order. Because you are going to die, you will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you on the third day from now. You will go up to the temple of the Lord and I will add 15 years to your life and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is what the Lord signed to you, that the Lord will do what he has promised. 
Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? It is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called upon the Lord and the Lord made the shadow go back the 10 steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. If you do independent research about the shadow going back 10 steps on the stairway of Ahaz, you will learn that there was a way that time was kept, time was tracked. They didn't have, you know, watches as we know with the hour hand or the minute hand, but they had a way that involved the sundial and how it would shine and land on each step one at a time. And that's how they were able to keep track of the hour of the day based on where the sun landed on the steps. And God, basically through the prophet Isaiah, asked Hezekiah, well, you, you go ahead, you tell me what sign you would like it to be. And whatever sign you pick, that's the sign I will give you as proof that I will do what I said I would do, which is extend your life by 15 more years. I will extend 15 years to you, even though I said you would die, get your house in order. Now I'm saying I will extend your life. So look at God saying, I, you can pick the sign. If you need one, you can pick one. And just like he gave Isaiah the sign of his choice, which was turning back the hands of time, he dialed it back 10 steps. That equates 10 hours in our time. That's a translation of that, 10 hours. So can you imagine if you got into a car accident and the doctor said, well, you're going to die because it was fatal. Your injuries, you only have a few moments left. So, you know, we called your family. They're going to say goodbye. But if the angel of the Lord or through a prophet, a minister of his visited you and said, God is saying that uh, he heard your cry. He heard the prayer that you whispered in your heart. You didn't even have the strength to utter a prayer, but he translated the tears and he interpreted those tears as a prayer. And he's saying, you pick the sign that you need, saying that I will restore your life to you. I will restore your health to you. I will get you off of this deathbed. You will rise and you will walk and you will live longer than what the doctor predicted, much longer. So if you can imagine, you said, well, I need you to turn back the hands of time, God. I had the car accident 10 hours ago. So I need you to basically undo the effects of that accident or bring me back 10, 10 hours before I made a wrong turn or before the drunk driver hit my car, before I 
was drunk and driving, whatever the case. Can you imagine if God said, okay, and he did it? That would, that would mean you in that time, you would be able to make a different choice and not get into the accident. Isn't that correct? Another interpretation of what it could mean is, so he brings back the clock. Accident still happens, but this time it's not fatal. Another interpretation could be accident still happens, it's fatal. But God just says, you know what? I'm not going to let it be fatal. The car is going to look like a crumbled up can, a crumbled up piece of paper. Crushed, flattened to nothing. But I want the doctors to be able to to know that, hey, they may not be able to restore you, but I can. Because someone needs to have faith and believe that I'm real, I exist, and I do answer prayers. Medicine and surgery are not the only options. What about me? I'm real, I'm here just to prove a point. Then that would mean that no matter what you've been through, whether it was 10 hours ago, 10 years ago, 10 seconds, 10 days, it doesn't even have to be in an increment of 10. It could be you were born blind, born deaf, born with all sorts of genetic uh, disorders, hereditary uh, disorders. It wouldn't matter now, would it? He can go as far back as as needed because he's God and because we've learned about him that he is omnipresent. Oh my, omnipotent or omnipotent, omniscient. So the God who transcends time because he is omnipresent, that means he's everywhere at all times, whether we discern that or not, whether we are aware of that or not, whether we even believe it or not. That means he's also in the past, the present and the future. Okay. Not just geographically speaking, is he everywhere, but he's in the past, the present and the future because he's beyond that. (laughs) Oh, wow. He knows everything being omniscient. He's omnipotent or omnipotent. All powerful is what that means. That means, oh, he can do it all. He's God. He's the creator. And we can go from not believing that to believing it based on picking a sign. And then he says, "Okay, I heard you. I hear you. I'll do it. Will he do it for everyone? No. Why? Because we see that he did it for just a few. And in this particular chapter of Kings, he did it for He did it, you know, dealing with the prophet Isaiah. He did this for King Hezekiah. There was a purpose that he had in mind for this individual. So he has a purpose for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. Otherwise, you would not even hear this message today. The fact that you hear it means that there's something that God wants to prove to you. So you're very fortunate. You're very blessed. So I would say, rend your heart. Joel chapter two, verses 12 
through 29. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast and call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber, let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? The Lord's answer. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, punishing it, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will, dr uh, will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pasture in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains, because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains, as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locust and the young locust and the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed, the day of the Lord. And afterward, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. I'll read. When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all gathered together in one place. Men, women, and children. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the 11, with the 11 disciples, and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs and signs on the earth below. Look at the order in which this is said. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on earth below. In other words, in earth, in other words, I'm so excited. He's saying, I will show you on earth as it is in heaven. I will demonstrate on earth what's going on in heaven. It says, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. That's for a time to come. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, well, what's the Lord's name? Jesus, call on Jesus and you'll be saved. From what? Not just eternal damnation and hellfire, but you'll be saved from whatever the circumstances that is prophesying or speaking your doom or it's a dark forecast, a bad prediction. It's fake news or bad news or something sad or anything negative. You can be saved from that if you call on the name of the Lord in sincerity and you seek him wholeheartedly.
Fellow Israelites, continuing at verse 22, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Remember, he's omniscient. He knows everything by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep and hold him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. So he made known to David the paths of life. He can do it for us. Continuing, you fill me with the joy. You fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had made promises and what God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. So God told David so much and performed so much that he knew what God had promised he was able to perform. In verse 31, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So if he could see this by vision or by dream, we can see by vision or by dream, just as it was prophesied that we would, whatever God needs us to see. So don't feel bad that you haven't seen anything yet. Okay, you know, we say you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay, God is able to show you something now. He's able to show you something so you can have faith in him yet so that you can yet believe in God. In verse 36, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all of you who are distanced for whatever reason, whether it's by belief, by how you were taught, by how you were raised, by what you think, by whatever it is, 
You've been afar off, but God is able to draw you near and into an intense, intimate relationship with him. It says, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So today he's calling you by using me to share this message and read these scriptures to you. This is the call. Okay, in verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The fellowship of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's the key. That's the key right there for some of us. If we haven't seen the door open that we need unlocked, whether it's to a promotion on the job, whether it's just to having an open mind to receive from God, have an open heart by being glad and sincere, even if it's confessing, I don't even believe you exist. I don't even believe that I'm worthy. I don't even believe that you can or will do this. Whatever it is, just be sincere. Now, in verse uh, verse 47, I'll continue reading. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God can add to your blood count. If it's low and not where it needs to be, God can do it. He can add to the number of your finances so you don't have enough to fund the vision. You don't have enough to go in business for yourself. You're an entrepreneur at heart, but you don't have the financing, the money it takes, the property it takes. Okay, so you don't have the right amount of food. He can multiply. He can add to your number. Now I'll go to the book of Matthew. Chapter 19, verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. In Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. So you're saying to God, if you can do it, and God is saying, I can, everything is possible for one who believes. Just believe me, believe that I can do it. And guess what? Even if you don't believe that I can, but someone else has told you what God did for them, then believe that if I did it for them, they swear up and down, I did something for them. Believe them. And I'll put a credit in your account that because you believed what they said about me, then I will in turn do for you what you need me to do just because you believed their witness, their testimony about what I did for them. In the book of Luke, chapter one, verse 37, nothing you see, is impossible with God, it is written. Now, 
I could go on and on reading scriptures to you. I'm going to go to Jeremiah. This is the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 17. It says, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ who strengthens me continually. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, it says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you. And about this time next year, I will do what I said I would do. In Matthew chapter 17, around the 20th verse, it says, For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain or to this issue, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In Job chapter 42, verse 2, Job even said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Okay, so look at that. That's the attitude and the mindset that we need to have. Job suffered like a dog and it looked like nothing would ever get better, that he would ever recover that he would ever smile again. But you know, the end of Job is that he turned out better than he was before the calamity ever hit. And you can go from crying and saying all kinds of things. Yeah. Being outside of yourself with misery and anger and frustration and unbelief to going from, I know you can do all things. And having better than what you started off with, being better than how you started off. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 18, it says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can or what can be against us? In John chapter 3, verse 16, we are reminded, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. If God was willing to give of himself the way that he did and suffer the death of the cross and the, the events that led to the cross, jerking out of the beard, the beatings, the whipping post with all of the scourging that he endured and being rejected before people, even by his own who didn't believe him, even by the priests, the high priests, by his own Jews. Oh, my God. And, and to be publicly humiliated. How much more will he answer your prayer? He gave that 
level of sacrifice for us. Oh my, how much more will he give you bread if you are hungry, water if you are thirsty, healing in your body if you have a terminal illness or mental illness or whatever the challenge is, how much more will he meet that challenge and do what needs to be done? Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, it says, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we are able to ask, imagine, or just beyond what we would even think to ask for, according to the power that works in us. And that power is of the spirit of the living God. Matthew chapter 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things that you need will be added to you. Proverbs chapter three, verse six, in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight. The word of God is a lamp to your feet and the light unto your path. John 14, 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Revelation chapter one, verse one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, and what he did for him, he can do for us. He did it for Mary. He can do for us. Philippians 4, Verses six through seven, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding logic and what seems rational will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. According to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verse one, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. It can save. His ear is not dull that it cannot hear. He hears. Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day. Today is holy to our God. And do not be grieved for the Lord. Oh my God, listen to this. Do not be grieved. Today is a day of rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Romans 8, 
Verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us and to us and upon us. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse two, for he says in a favorable time, I listened to you and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 18 through 19. Remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Hebrews Chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So by the word of God, by his word, what we need, the miracles we need, the healing we need, the money we need, the provisions we need, whatever we need is created by the word of God. And finally, Isaiah chapter 62, verse four, you shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her. My delight is in him. My delight is in this person and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married to God. Reconciled unto God. That's what this whole thing is about. The Bible from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation is the love letter of God saying, no matter what, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I came because I so love you to reconcile you to God. And I thank you for doing it at the sound of my voice in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.